0: back, maybe haven't had an opportunity to preach a gospel meeting, someone will ask the question, were there any responses? Obviously, what they mean by that, were there any baptisms that took place during the gospel meeting? Were there any restorations during the gospel meeting? And so the question is asked, were there any responses? And unfortunately, the answer so often is no, no responses. You know, years ago, gospel meetings would see numerous responses. In fact, uh, not that terribly long ago, we would read about meetings that they would extend because they were having so many responses. Maybe it was a week or 10-day meeting, but so many responses were taking place that they would extend it two weeks, three weeks, and sometimes even longer because people were really responding to the gospel call. I know that you agree with me when I say we would love to see a return to those days. Wouldn't it be wonderful? If we had, in our day and time, instances where people were responding to the gospel like that, we would love to see that. Unfortunately, some people, though, just measure the success of the gospel based upon the visible responses that take place. And so there's a huge emphasis sometimes by some folks on numbers. How many? How many baptisms? How many restorations? And as we've warned many times, when we begin to emphasize numbers, it's a big mistake. Because if what you're really interested in is numbers that can be posted on a board or reported on a printed page. When you're interested in numbers, then you begin to compromise in order to achieve those numbers. And so as we've tried to point out many times, what we ought to do instead is just preach the gospel. And when we preach the gospel, let, let happen what happens. Today, though, I want us to consider a completely different view on the question of responses to the gospel. And you may be shocked to see this title when I put it up here, but I want to suggest to you that there are responses to the gospel at every service. At every single service, there are responses to the gospel. This morning, if we have a hundred accountable people in our assembly... There are actually going to be a hundred responses to the gospel, and we want to spend some time thinking about that in our lesson this morning, responding to the gospel. We stop here for just a minute to thank you for being here. Boy, it's a cold morning in Middle Tennessee. I know the folks up north would laugh at us for complaining about this kind of weather, but for us, it's really cold. But you've braved the cold elements and come out this morning, and we're glad that you're here. We're glad that we have this warm, comfortable place to assemble, to worship God. We're glad that you have an interest in spiritual things that would make you put forth the extra effort on a cold day like today to come. Please know that your very presence here with us is an encouragement to us all, and we thank you for that. We pray more than anything else that God will be glorified by our time together as we worship Him on this day. Uh, as we seek to know and do His will in our lives. Thanks for being here. Special welcome to those who are visiting with us. Please come back every time you have a chance to be here. Well, what what do you mean, preacher, when you say that there are responses at every service? Well, let me suggest some of the responses that take place. There are some who respond by simply ignoring what has been taught. Simple, just... Out of hand, dismiss it. You're going to you're gonna ignore it. You're not going to pay any attention to it. Did you hear in the news yesterday, there was apparently a false alert put out in Hawaii. There was some thought that a missile had been launched, almost certainly from North Korea. And so an alarm was sounded. Apparently it was a huge mistake. Somebody pushed the wrong button. At least that's the explanation they're giving. But this alarm went out. That a missile was headed directly for Hawaii, and there were less than twenty minutes or so to get ready for it, to, for the for the missile to strike. And in all the news reporting yesterday, that all the commotion that it caused, people were in a panic mode. They were doing everything. They heard the warning, and they took it to heart, and they were going crazy trying to get ready for this missile to strike the island of Hawaii. They did not ignore the message, but unfortunately. We've got a way more serious condition, uh, the eternal salvation of souls, and the warnings that the Scriptures give about God's impending judgment upon those who are not prepared for that judgment is in large measure just simply being ignored. They wouldn't ignore the missile warning yesterday, but they're ignoring the gospel warning. And that's one of the responses that happens whenever the gospel is preached. Some respond by just ignoring the message. The reason why they do so, and the problem at the heart of it is, notice they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Second Thessalonians 2, verse 10. They receive not the love of the truth. That's the problem. People don't love truth. And because they don't love truth, then they're not paying attention. They're just going to ignore the warnings that are given. Jesus suggested that this is not a new problem. In the reading that Mark did for us earlier, In Matthew chapter 13, verse 15, actually Jesus is quoting Isaiah here. Isaiah had said of the people in his day, and Jesus said of the people in his day, this people's heart is waxed gross, their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and be converted, and I should heal them. Notice Jesus said their ears are dull of hearing. They're just not going to listen to it. They're not going to pay attention. They're going to ignore it. Now, what I think is really impressive here is Jesus is quoting Isaiah. Isaiah lived 700 years before Jesus. It was true in Isaiah's day. It was true in Jesus' day. I would argue to you, it's clearly true in our day as well. People are just ignoring the warnings. And so, that's one of the responses that happens at every service when the gospel message is preached. Some respond by just ignoring what is said. Also, we see some, hopefully a minority, but a few who respond by acting for want of a better word. I'm going to use the word they act immaturely at what they hear. A few years ago, right here at College View, a man got up during the sermon and just walked out. When someone questioned him later about why he got up and walked out, were you sick? Did you get sick? Were you ill? And the response was, no. I knew what he was going to say, and I didn't want to hear it. And so he got up and walked out. Now, I would call that an immature response to the message. Wrong response and immature. If the message was true, then it should be accepted and applied. If the message was false, then you could address the speaker later and tell him why you disagree with what was being said. But it's an immature response to just get get up and walk out because you didn't want to hear it. There's a similar example of this in the case of the life of the apostle Paul, when he had been arrested, when he was being held under custody, he he made he had a hearing before Festus and Agrippa in Acts chapter twenty six verse twenty four, and Paul was was really making the case for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the the resurrected Savior. Notice in Acts 26, verse 24, As Paul thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning doth make thee mad. And so what Festus did was just dismiss this, I think in a really immature way, by saying, Paul, you're just crazy. You're just flat out crazy. Um, Much learning has made thee mad. I want to say, though, that this is just an example. Festus provides an example of what lots of people do when they just immaturely dismiss the message that they hear. You know, when we talk about immature conduct at the preaching of the gospel, there's probably a whole list of things that we could add under that topic. Uh, For instance, sometimes, and I know that you all have experienced this, you'll you'll hear someone, while the gospel is being taught or preached, and, and they're clipping their nails in the assembly. Please clip your nails at home, okay? That's just an immature thing to be doing while the gospel is being preached. But there's other things too, for instance. Uh, if you pass notes, if you play with the babies, if you, man, this is becoming a bigger challenge. If you are playing with your smartphone, sending messages, or doing other things while the gospel is being preached, all of that is a form of a response to the gospel, and we would argue that it's an immature response to the gospel. Pay attention. We're talking about important things here. Some people respond by becoming angry with the preacher. I'm sure that if we went around the assembly this morning, many of you could tell of instances that you're aware of where someone just got downright mad at the preacher. And everyone who's ever tried to preach the gospel could talk about instances in their memory where people got mad at them over the message, getting mad at the preacher. But again, this is not a new thing for people to get mad. In fact, people to get violently angry at the preaching of the gospel. In Acts chapter 7, beginning verse 54, we read about the case of Stephen. We know Stephen famously as the one we identified as the first Christian martyr. Stephen tried to tell the people what they needed to hear, but when they heard these things... They were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on Stephen with their teeth. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. Talk about being angry with the preacher. This is a classic case, right? Now, preachers these days are not being stoned to death like Stephen was, but it's still a reaction that people get mad with the preacher over certain messages that are preached. I'm going to tell you something about preachers. Preachers are not perfect people, uh, but while they're not perfect people, I would argue that an overwhelmingly huge majority of preachers are are true-hearted. Uh, uh, they desire uh, to do what's right, and they deserve to be loved and respected and feet, uh, treated fairly. Well, it, it, if the if the message is right, accept it. If it's wrong, correct the preacher. But there's no reason to become angry with the preacher on the basis of the message that is preached. That's a wrong response to the gospel. There are some people who respond by just simply saying no. Now, this is an obvious reaction to the gospel. Someone who's not obeyed the the, the simple plan of salvation, uh, they know those Steps that we often identify with holding up the fingers of one hand. Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized for the remission of sins. No, I'm not going to do that. Someone who knows, who could recite the plan of salvation to you, but then, no, I'm not going to. Or the case of some Christian who has fallen away into unfaithfulness, and they know that they need to repent, they need to confess, uh, they need to be restored to the right standing with God and their brethren. no. They will not. We know of cases, and you could probably cite examples like the ones that I have in my mind, of someone who knows that they need to be restored to a right standing with God and says so. They're not denying it. They're not trying to argue against that. They, they agree. They know that they should make things right with God and man. I've known of instances where people actually promised that they would do so. The, made specific promises, I'll be there Sunday, I'll come forward on Sunday, I'll do the right thing, and then not do it. You know what happens when you say no? Well, I, I guess lots of things happen when you say no, but the thing I have in mind is when you say no, it becomes easier and easier to say no the next time. A no today makes it easier for me to say no next time when the gospel is preached. And what happens, unfortunately, is what the Hebrew writer mentioned in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13, when he said, Exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. The heart grows hard. And you say no, and you say no, 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 and every time you say it, it becomes easier to say no the next time, and the heart is fully hardened. Be careful. Be careful if this is the response that you've been offering to the gospel, either in regards to initial obedience or if you're out of step with God and you need to be restored. Either way, be careful about saying no repeatedly because the heart grows hard and that's a clear response to the gospel. But I want to tell you, one of the kind of responses that I think happens a lot, thankfully a lot, is that some people respond by making a personal, private decision to improve their spiritual lives. As the gospel is being preached, the kind of people that we have in mind here, they see it. They understand the message. They're motivated by the truth of God's Word. And they become determined to do better. They grow in faith. uh, And certainly all of us have issues that, we can improve in our lives sins that we can repent of and, and do better. Not public sins, just things, private matters. And so I'm going to change about that. I'm going to do better. I'm sorry that I've been failing in these specific ways, and I'm determined that I'm going to make improvement in my life. I want to tell you, uh, that's a positive response to the gospel. Now, we don't see these people coming forward, coming up the aisles during the invitation song, but this sort of response that we're talking about here is is a real positive response to the gospel. People who hear it take it to heart, and they determine that they will do better. That's a great response to the gospel. And I'm convinced that that happens all the time, and we want that to happen. That's very important. Go back with me just a minute to the text that was read at the start of our service. Mark read this to us in Matthew 13, verse 15. This people's heart is waxed. knows their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes, they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. But notice the very next verse in verse 16. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. And so, notice, the blessing comes from accepting the message. The message comes from seeing it, from hearing it with perception and application in our heart. There's the blessing. And so, there's going to be a response one way or the other. Actually, this statement by Jesus suggests two responses. We mentioned the one earlier, just dismiss it out of hand. But the other response is to see it, to hear it, to take it to heart, And Jesus said there's a blessing associated with that kind of response to the gospel. In James chapter 1, at verse 25, James says, Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Somebody's going to be blessed. Who is it? The one who's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. You hear it. You put it into application in your life. And James says, "You're going to be blessed by that, and that's a good thing and I tell you, I really believe that we we see that we don't well, we don't physically see that kind of response, but I understand surely that that response is happening over and over again as we gather together and study from the Word of God. that's a good positive response to the gospel. We want more of that we want people to to apply the message in their own lives but finally, let me suggest to you that there are some who are going to visibly respond in obedience to the gospel. Now, going back to the very first things we said, when people said, were there any responses during the gospel meeting? They're talking about this. They're talking about any visible responses. The answer should be, yes, there's always a response when the gospel is preached. We've been trying to point that out in our lesson this morning. But in regards to visible responses, yes, those are important as well. People are typically talking about baptisms and uh, restoration. You know, baptisms, there's sort of been a trend over recent years that baptisms don't take place real often in our public assemblies. That used to be the, the norm. But these days it seems more so that people are maybe a little bit bashful or intimidated and they want to be baptized when not so many people are around. That's fine. That's all okay, right? There's no requirement that a baptism take place in the presence of a full assembly of people. It's a good thing when it does, but it's not necessary. We're not looking to that specifically. So baptisms, public or private, uh, those are good. Request, when, when people come before the congregation and request prayers on their behalf, maybe their prayers are just for help and encouragement from their brethren. That's good. We ought to care for one another at that level. Or when someone comes confessing public sin, they've brought shame and reproach upon the church and they come confessing that they have lived that way and they want to be restored with God and their brethren. That's a wonderful thing. Now, those kind of responses have always occurred. We believe they will continue to occur. We're, we're looking for those so-called visible responses too. Let me give you two examples of those kind of visible responses. They're from the same chapter of Acts, and in fact, they are at the hands of the same preacher of the gospel. In Acts chapter 8, well, I guess same preacher almost. Uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 22, we read the case of Simon the sorcerer. Philip was the one who converted him, but Peter and John are the ones that actually deal with him here when he sins. He's a Christian, and he sins, and uh, so Peter is the one who addresses his sin. He said, Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee, for I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which he has spoken come upon me. There's the example of someone who has their sin identified, and they request prayer on their behalf. And so we see Simon the sorcerer desiring to be restored. He was already a Christian, but he desired to be restored. In the same chapter, Philip left Samaria and was directed to meet up with the Ethiopian eunuch on the road. And he did, and he preached to him about Jesus. And Philip opened his mouth, Acts 8, verse 35, and began at the same Scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? The eunuch saw it. He realized his lost condition, and he was baptized without delay. Don't even wait till I get home from my trip. I know the truth here. I know it now. I want to respond immediately. Well, we could cite more examples. but Right there in Acts 8, we see two. We see the example of Simon the sorcerer wanting to be restored when he realized he was lost. We see the case of the Ethiopian eunuch wanting to be baptized when he knew of his lost condition. More examples could be cited. But these illustrate the kind of visible responses that we pray for. And we simply ask, are there any here this morning who would respond in like fashion? There's lots of responses to the gospel. You may have been surprised at the suggestion that there are responses at every service, but I hope you understand what we mean by that now. There are some who just ignore the teaching, who act immaturely at the message, who get angry at the preacher, who just say no. Those are responses in and of themselves. But thankfully, there are good-hearted people who will see how the gospel applies to them. It may be a private matter, and in their own heart they make that decision and that determination. Or it may be a public sort of response by heeding the gospel call or being restored to the Lord. Are you, Are you? you? Is the gospel applicable to you? Are you in need of our assistance as you respond to the gospel message this morning? If you're not a Christian, we hope you'll make that decision to obey the gospel without delay. If you're a Christian already, but you have fallen back, come back to your Lord in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing.